0: Let me ask you something today. Why do we need to know who Jesus is? Why do you think we need to know that? Well, we're going to try to figure that out today here on New Hope Radio and the Hope Club podcast. Why do we need to know who Jesus is? Because Jesus Christ is the most extraordinary person. Whoever lived. Think about that. Now, we know that his early years were very ordinary. He had a simple vocation growing up, followed in the steps of his dad as a carpenter. But yet, think about this no one else has made a greater contribution to the world in world history. Oh, no, not a king, not a dictator, not a writer, not a scientist, not an educator, not a military leader. He was unique in his life. He was unique in his teachings. And what does the Bible say about him? Matthew thirteen fifty four. He came to his hometown and began teaching them in the synagogues so that they were astonished. Wow. They were astonished at his teachings. And you know what they said? Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers? Oh, they recognized something about Jesus, but they couldn't figure out where it came from. Then they asked the question in verse 55, Is this not the carpenter's son? Like, we know his dad. Is not his mother called Mary and his brothers, James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? Which, again, this verse helps us to see that, you know, Mary had other children after Jesus. Oh, yeah. She had a whole tribe full of kids. So, Jesus has a very small beginning, but an incredible, an incredible influence upon the world. Think about his popularity. Jesus is the most discussed, debated, and scrutinized person who ever lived. Skeptics still wonder how a mere cynic could have influenced the world to the degree that Jesus had. That's how they see him. Just a carpenter? (laughs) Then why does he remain, 2,000 years later, in a category all by himself? Who else compares with Jesus Christ and what he said and what he did? Who compares? Nobody. I can't think of anybody. Can you? Let's think about his sphere of influence. Remember, he, he lived at a time where there was no media. None. No media, not like we have today. To put his influence into perspective, consider some areas of his uniqueness. He was unparalleled as a moral influence. He guides people, he guides cultures and tribes out of moral confusion. And it's been recorded where there have been tribes of people that were very violent, belligerent, and when the gospel entered, they changed. Cultures changed. He also had an artistic influence. He inspired more of the world's great art and music more than any other person. Think about it. No one's inspired more music and art than Jesus Christ. He also had a humanitarian influence. More hospitals, orphanages, rest homes, and rescue missions have been dedicated to him than all the others, all the other religious leaders combined. You know, for those that believe in evolution, right? And that includes survival of the fittest. Doesn't the hospital contradict that theory? If survival of the fittest is the way of nature, then it doesn't make sense to take care of those that are not the fittest. So why do we? Why do we take care of those that are not the fittest? Oh, you know why? Because of Jesus Christ. That's why. That's the difference. He inspires devotion. Though he never raised an army, millions of his followers have scattered to the uttermost parts of the earth to carry his message. Haven't they? As a matter of fact, there's a goal to cover the whole world with the message of the gospel. People have laid down their lives for the message. They've given up careers for the message. They've paid a high price to get the message of Christ out into the world. He had a scholastic influence. His teachings and his followers have contributed more literacy in educational institutions than all others combined. You know, there was a time... One of the greatest colleges in our nation, Harvard, Princeton, and Yale, when they were great schools, you know why? They were originally schools to prepare ministers, missionaries, and Christian leaders. Now I'm like, what happened? What happened to those schools? I'll tell you what happened. Someone let the devil in, and he took over the schools. Satan has taken over. The higher institutions in this nation, in this nation, and brought them so far from God. It's difficult to even fathom how they could be so far from God. That's tough. Jesus had an impact on women like no one else ever did. No one has raised the status of womanhood, womanhood actually, and motherhood as Jesus Christ. And today we have another attack going on, don't we, ladies, on moms and on women? It's going on today, and it's going on in so many areas of society, and, you know, womanhood and motherhood, (laughs) they were established by God. They shouldn't be tampered with. No. Those have been established by God. God has created a woman the way she is. She's created in the image of God. Right? God created man and woman in the image of God. He created them, male and female. He created them. There's an attack on womanhood today to take them from that which God has created them to be. To change them. That's really an attack on God himself. Jesus influenced freedom and justice more than any other. No one has more deeply promoted personal freedom and justice before the law than Jesus' followers. Why? Because the followers of Christ are armed with his standards of the law. The law of Christ is perfect. Do you realize the law that people are rejecting is the law that saves society? It's God's law. And if we lived our lives according to the laws of God, oh, things would be so different. We wouldn't have racism. We wouldn't have discrimination. We wouldn't have all of this craziness that's going on today in the world. Some professor, she's from Harvard or Yale, said men can have babies. What? That's a professor. That's a professor in an Ivy League college. Men can have babies. That's what we're teaching people. And to say men can't have babies, that, is, that instills violence in people. What is going on in the world? People have departed from the laws of God. Think about the personal life of Jesus. It was no accident that the man who most influenced human history for good also lived an extraordinary life in history. For instance, his birth. Every Christmas, millions, if not billions of Christians, and you know what? Even non-Christians celebrate the birth of Christ. Ain't that a kicker? People that don't even believe, they still celebrate the birth of Christ. And the most unusual feature of his birth, his mother was a virgin. that'll tell you, that's a work of God. Only God can do that. And he did. And Jesus lived a holy life. Holy means sanctified, set apart, devoted to God. Even his enemies couldn't find any fault in him. You know, if you don't like someone, you can find fault with them. But they didn't like Jesus, and they couldn't find any faults. No, they had to lie. They had to lie to the Romans in order to get him crucified because there was nothing that he ever said, thought, or did that was wrong. He lived a holy life. He had an influence in his teachings. He was in a category all by himself. Oh, yeah? He taught things no one ever taught before. You know what he taught? Love your enemies. People are like, what? I want my money back. Love your enemies. Yeah. Love your enemies. This is God's economy. This is God's world. You want to live in God's world? Love your enemies. Pray for those who spitefully use you. See, the way of Christ is a way of non-vengeance. It's not the way of vengeance. The way of the world is the way of vengeance. It's the way of getting over. It's the way of deceit. Because Satan's the god of this world, but not the way of Christ. The way of Christ is servanthood, long-suffering, prayer, love. So different. Oh, it's so different from the rest of the world. And when Jesus went to work, he did things no one else could do. He performed miracles, raised a few people from the dead, gave sight to the blind, Hearing to the deaf caused the lame to walk, set the captives free. Oh! And that's why he had such an effect on people. No one has ever had such a positive influence in their life which was greater than Jesus of Nazareth. There's no greater effect. Anybody that knows Christ today knows that Jesus made the greatest impact on their life. And you know what? Maybe they've tried to change, and they've tried to better themselves, and tried to refine themselves, and all to no avail. But when Christ comes on the scene, and Christ comes into your life, that's when things really begin to happen. And it's a positive change, because that's what Jesus does. And if you think about it, he had a very common parentage. It wasn't like, you know, his mother and father were like, you know, half angel or something. They were human, just like us. Jesus didn't have a man cave. No material possessions. Nothing wrong with having things, but Jesus, you know, he wasn't about that. He was about his mission. That's what he was about. He was free. He wasn't tied down by things. He even said one time, The Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Oh, the birds, they have nests. The foxes, they have little dens. But the Son of Man, I don't know where I'm sleeping tonight. But I'm walking with my Father. And he'll lead me. The life of Jesus was a life of walking with his Father, listening to his Father and depending on his father. That was his life, and that was enough for him. You know, by doing that, he had it all. He didn't need the things of the world because he had the things of God. Wow, what a lesson. He didn't need the things of the world because he had the things of God. And he didn't live a long life by sight, so to speak, in his humanity, and by sight, people wouldn't even say his life was successful. No. Why? Because he was, he was murdered by the Romans. His life ended in tragedy. So how is it then? that How did Jesus have such an impact on so many people throughout the centuries? You know why Jesus had such an impact and why he continues to have it? Because he was who he said he was, God in human flesh. That's who he is. He is God. He's God become a man. And there's no other reason why this man could still have a lasting impression 2,000 years after his death. There's no other reason. Jesus truly was the Son of God, just as he claimed to be. And that's why he's heralded today. And people that don't herald him, well, they just, I don't know, refuse to see. Let's talk about those people, the skeptics. Oh, the skeptics. Well, for more than 1,600 years, the personal deity of Jesus Christ was seldom questioned. It was accepted. Jesus is the Son of God. He's God come in the flesh. That was, People didn't have a problem with that. Even the people of his day said things like, No one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. John 3.2. So it was attributed to Jesus that there was... God was something about him. He put himself on an equal plane with the voice of God. In Matthew 5:27, Jesus would teach, and he said, "Remember this one. You have heard that it was said, quoting the law, you shall not commit adultery." Okay, so he commoted, he quoted the law. Then he said, "But I say to you." Oh wait a minute, Jesus, what do you mean? He's putting himself on an equal par with the law. I say to you, don't even do it in your heart. If you do it in your heart, if you have lustful eyes, you've committed it. Wow. Many times Jesus would say, you have heard that it was said, but I say to you. He's putting himself on equal basis with the law. He was rejected by some Jews. He didn't fit their image of the Messiah, of what the the Messiah, they thought, oh, should be. Isn't it interesting? People have always concocted their own image of what Christ should be, or God. And because they haven't found a God that fits the mold that they created, they refuse to believe. Now, is that smart or is that dumb? I'm going to put that in the dumb column. Because you cannot fabricate an image and say, God, this is what I want you to be. Because God is God. God is already who he is. As a matter of fact, it works just the opposite. God is fabricating an image, and he's saying to us, this is how I want you to be. And how do you want me to be, God? I want you to be like my son. I want you to be like Jesus. I want you to be Christ-like. And isn't that a big reason why we go to church? You know why we go to church? To learn to be Christ-like. That's the goal. To be like Christ. That's the whole goal. So we can reveal the light of heaven to a darkened world. To be like Christ. We are the body of Christ. So, because he didn't fit some people's Image, they rejected him. Although he was accepted by some Jews, thankfully. And only until about 400 years ago did people begin to question the deity of Jesus Christ. Like I said, it was always accepted that Christ was God. But in in recent centuries, liberal theology has begun to rear its ugly head. And basically, It's attacking the Word of God. It's attacking the inspiration of the Scriptures. And it's distorting and twisting. And you know what it's doing? It's humanizing the Word of God. It's humanizing it. And it's creating more skeptics. You know, there are young men and women graduating from some Bible seminaries, and they're even doubting God. They doubt the inspiration of the scriptures. I'm like, shut those places down. Shut them down because they run by the devil. That's why. How, how are skeptics made? How does someone become a skeptic? Here's what I think. Number one, they never read the gospels. Nope. Never read the gospels. Number two, they question Christian beliefs, but refuse to listen to the Christian argument. See, it's one-sided. They question it, but they don't listen. They don't dialogue. They monologue, but they don't listen. Thirdly, skeptics are intellectually dishonest, and they use ridicule and sarcasm as their tools. You know why? Because they cannot debate. And I don't mean debate in a debate sense. The word I I should use is converse. They cannot converse, okay? They're so set in their thinking that they won't even allow a little bit of light to come in. They won't open the door to let even a little bit of light come in. And you know what? We all know people like that, don't we? They don't want to hear it. No, I love my darkness, And I'm not going to let in any light at all. A lot of these folks, they have a personal philosophy which overrules facts. They don't care about facts. They have a personal philosophy. So what I'm saying, rebellion replaces reason. People, skeptics, are in rebellion against God. That's the key. They're in rebellion against God. Because if someone is not in rebellion, you know what they're going to say? They're going to say, God, I don't know who you are. I don't even know if you exist. But I want you to show yourself to me if you do. I want to know. I want to know the truth. Would you reveal yourself to me? I'll tell you something. God will. Oh, yes, he will. He'll answer that prayer. He will. But you see, those in rebellion would never do that because they're rebelling against God. I don't care how nice they are and kind they are and loving they are. In their soul, they're in rebellion. You've got to come out of that rebellion and say, God, just show me. I'm asking you to reveal yourself to me so I can know. And of course God will do that. He wants to do that. And for those that don't, they just want their own way. Here's a little of Shakespeare's William. Uh, Wisdom. William. (laughs) No, William, that's his name. William Shakespeare. I think he said this. To that own self be true. You can't be true to yourself if you're in rebellion against God. And if you refuse to believe. You're not true to yourself. You're deceiving yourself. You're lying to yourself. You're actually hurting yourself. You're not being true to yourself. So, the primary source of evidence for the life of Jesus of Nazareth, it's the four Gospels, three of which were written by eyewitnesses, and Luke did his research. So we do have credibility of the Gospel accounts. Right? Critics say, oh, too much time went by after the, after the death of Christ for any acu- accounts to be accurate. There, it's mad, man's imagination. But let me tell you how the gospels tell of Christ. Matthew, he wrote his gospel, right? He walked with Jesus. He did. He was an eyewitness. He wrote mostly of the kingdom of God. He wrote down the parables Jesus told. And he wrote as early as 30 AD. Mark, he witnessed Jesus as a young boy. The disciples met in his mom's house. He wrote as early as 50 or 54 A.D. Luke. Luke didn't walk with Jesus, but he spoke with those who did. And he wrote about 58 to 60 A.D. He accompanied the Apostle Paul on his journeys. And Paul had divine revelation from God. Oh, yeah. And then the Gospel of John. He walked with Jesus, and he presented the supernaturalness of Jesus. And John, at the end of his gospel, he said, these have been written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing, you may have life in his name. Think about it. God's John said, this is why I wrote about Jesus, that you would believe, and you would have Life in his name. It's incredible. John knew what he had been doing. And he wrote about things that archaeologists have discovered. Jacob's well at Sychar, the pool of Siloam, the praetorium where Jesus was tried before Pilate. Modern archaeology has yep, those things are authentic. They're there. All early church leaders accepted the written accounts of Jesus. And because of that, People lived and died for Jesus' sake, and it still goes on today. There is no honest argument against the existence and the ministry of Jesus Christ. There is not. Only the rebellious would have an argument, but those that want to know truth, they will see it clear as day. It's all about the heart. You know it's a really important topic, too? How Jesus claimed his deity. That's going to be coming up. Basic Bible doctrine. Something we all need to know. Give a reason for the hope that is in us. Thank you for coming along today. Don't forget, you can catch this message later at the Hope Club podcast. Just type it in anywhere, the Hope Club podcast. It'll show up, and uh, it's a good message. Maybe to share with a skeptic. If they're willing to listen, that's the problem with skeptics. They're not willing. They're not willing to listen. And that to their own demise, sadly. So you pray that they'd open up their heart and they would give God an audience. Thank you for coming along today. Support us if you can. And we'll see you next time for Marvin Hope Radio.